0: Well, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: that was an unfair advantage you had there. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, love, you stay there for a minute if you want. Wow, it's such a pleasure to be back with you guys. I feel like I've come home to family. So thank you for welcoming us so much. You're a blessing. <laughs> oh, Wow, I'm just overwhelmed by God's wonderful presence in this place this morning, and you know, it was like I just came straight into his presence and his glory, and I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for just giving me a place where I could just step right into the presence, hey? And um, as I say, we're just excited about what God has for us this week, but for this church as well for this year. And it's not insignificant that we're here at the beginning of the new year. And and God's been challenging us, really, about stepping further in and going in deeper and going up higher. And I just feel, and I don't know whether you feel like this, I feel like the more I learn, the less I know. And I'm like i really I, I don't understand your ways, and I don't understand the ways of the kingdom and but yet yeah, i'm hungry for more wow. and i can I can sense the hunger is here for this yeah. place, and wow. you know God says that he's going to satisfy those that are hung, hungry and thirsty for him, and you know I'm excited because I want to be more and more satisfied in him and, and yeah. more and more dissatisfied with status quo, yeah status quo is very dis dissatisfying but you know he is our all in all he's our sufficiency and um i just want to fall more and more in love with him this week and um yeah yeah, i'm kind of losing the plot a little bit so i'm going to let you i'm just i'm kind of overwhelmed by him really at the moment just just feel so grateful that he loves us so much hey he loves us so much and um i know you guys have changed your name to harvest australia And that's a significant thing. And the Lord's been speaking to us recently. um, And Bob Jones, who's a prophet, an old old man now in America, and he's talking about this being the year of the harvest. And you are are making a declaration that the harvest is here and the harvest is ripe. (laughs) But you know, it's like, we want to bring in a harvest of souls and lovers of Jesus that will just fall in love with him. It's not business as we've, we've known it. Yeah. You know, I just, I just sense, guys, that the harvest is here right now for this place, this time, for those that have eyes to see that the fields are white. But, you know, people are looking for an answer. They're looking for... They're looking for a difference in their life. They don't want life as they've known it. They want the supernatural power of God and they're hungry and desiring for for Him but yet they don't really know yet. And, you know, I just feel that this is like a barn where there's a barn of His presence and His glory and there are delights here and they're delights of heaven that the harvest, the people that come and find Him are going to find here and they're going to find it quickly because I felt like I just stepped in right to that glory place of his presence right now when I came in. And you've been cultivating the presence of God, but you've been cultivating the riches of heaven. And the glory of heaven is in this place because of you and your lives and how God is taking you further. And he's given you boldness to step in more and more and to speak openly. And I feel like, you know, the The glory of heaven is just here for you to reap the harvest. And he's with you to do that. So the harvest is really here. But it's a harvest of glory, a harvest of souls, harvest of heaven. So just keep pressing in for more because I tell you, that's what it's about for me this year.
2: Mm, Can I marry you? I did 20 years ago. That was a blessed day, doll. Let's just stand up right now. I agree with everything Kate said. Just begin to close your eyes and begin to picture the harvest. How? There's multitudes of people living all around you that are desperate for God, full of misery. They look like they've got a lot of money and a lot going for them on the outside, but on the inside they're empty, they're desperate, they're lost, they're looking for Jesus and they don't realize it. And the worst thing of all is they're on their way to an everlasting fire of hell. Something that God never planned for them, has no desire for them to ever experience, which is why He sent His Son Jesus. And the Father loves the Son and has handed everything over to the Son. Oh! And whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. But whoever rejects Him, the wrath of God remains upon Him. John three thirty-five and 36. And right now I want you to, just with your eyes closed, just begin to see your family members, begin to see the people that live next door to you, the people that, are, that, that you meet in the shopping malls every week and every day when you go in there, the people that you meet in the gas stations, in the gas pumps, god has a plan of salvation for every one of them his name is jesus and his glorious son is coming to adelaide in the most magnificent way and he's drawing unto himself a phenomenal bride out of the fields that are white for harvest he's hand-picked you to be laborers in that field Together with the angels. Now just begin to picture your family members right now. With your eyes closed, just begin to picture them. No longer will you be frightened to speak with them. No longer will you not know what to say to them. No longer will you be, you know, feeling as though you're disempowered when you're, whenever you're with them. As though some weird thing comes upon you where you're full of boldness on the way up to the house. And then as soon as you're in there, all that boldness drains out of your boots and you're just like... You don't know what to say to them anymore. God is going to give you words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of insight, particular things that will just unlock their hearts because God loves them passionately. Those people that have been your enemies, those people that have treated you badly, that have done unkind things to you, those people that have robbed you and cheated from you, the Lord loves them and He's got an amazing plan for their lives. They're part of His harvest. Whoa! And he's saying, will you love your enemies? Will you love those who malign you and speak ill of you and say wrong things about you because you know that your Father in heaven already has the only testimony over your life that really counts? That his opinion is what really counts and he loves you passionately. And when we love our enemies, Jesus says that in Matthew 6 that we will be just like our Father in heaven who's perfect, who loves the wicked, who loves and pours out his rain and his sunshine on the wicked. He shows no partiality and he's inviting us to join him with that same passion. Whoa, just begin to start picturing them. You going to them and them coming to you and them coming through those doors at the back. Just begin to start picturing them worshipping next to you. Begin to start picturing this whole room being so full of chairs, so full of people, that people are lining up outside to come in here because they've heard that the kingdom of heaven is manifest in this place because His people are manifesting His presence. Wow! Because that's what it's going to be like, folks. You're just on the brink of something extraordinary in which the harvest is coming in. And there's going to be no room for people here. Literally, people are going to be desperately pushing their way through the crowds just to walk through the doors in this place. And it all starts in your hearts. It all starts with you because every one of them will be invited by you and by somebody who you've touched and who you've met, who's been transformed, who goes and tells their friends, 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 Whoa, just begin to picture it right now and begin to ask, Lord of the harvest, I ask you that you would send workers into the harvest fields of Moorfoot Vale, of Adelaide, of all this South Australia. God, I ask you that the harvest would come into this church from all over South Australia, that it will be ordinary for people to drive two hours just to be here, just to meet with the presence of God among his people. Ho, Call on heaven right now. Make it a reality. These things are God's heart for this church. For you. I was reading just this morning. Jesus said to to the disciples of John the Baptist when John sent them from prison, Go and inquire of Jesus, are you really the one? And he said, The sick are healed. The lame are healed, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, the blind eyes see, the deaf ears open, and the gospel is preached to the poor. Blessed is he who does not fall away on account of me. Whoa! And I realized, you know, we, we want God to open the eyes of the blind, we want him to open the deaf ears, we want him to open the lame, but we're not willing to step out and risk being maligned by people, have our reputations tarnished, and have people think we're weird or something. And so we hold back when in reality, we could have the most phenomenal life full of signs, wonders, and miracles left, right, and center. (laughs) Because that's God's passion for us. I got some good news for you this morning. The kingdom of heaven is within your reach today. Just reach up your hands right now and Place them into that invisible realm. You've already plunged them into the invisible kingdom. It's too late. It's happened now. Sorry. (laughs) Ho! Anything's possible when we connect up into the heavenlies. Anything is possible. Father, manifest your kingdom in this room right now. Father, do your work among us right now. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. Bring glory to Jesus Christ. Honor to Jesus this morning. We welcome the angels of heaven this morning, the heavenly hosts who do his bidding. We welcome you. Healing angels, provision angels, angels that lead us to repentance, angels that minister to our needs. We welcome you. Above all, we welcome you, King of glory. The Lord's healing somebody in this room from a condition where they keep getting cramps at night. Sometimes in the day they'll suddenly you'll suddenly get all cramped up in the most agonizing pain in your legs, sometimes in your arms, and the Lord's healing you right now. Boom! I release it in Jesus' name. Whoa. Somebody I saw the Lord the Lord showed me somebody with their you can put your hands down if you want, just stay in that mode though. Of expectation. The Lord showed me somebody's right arm in a sling. And there'd been a and you've it's happened in the past, but now you're left with tremendous pain in your shoulder from the injury. And the Lord wants to heal you right now. Somebody, I believe it, that was in the right, the right shoulder. Somebody has, been, uh, has had tremendous pain in their right wrist. And the Lord's healing you right now. Liquid golden honey is falling out of that invisible realm onto your body right now. In Jesus' name be healed. Somebody's lower back, their their vertebrae, there's some problem with with discs and vertebrae uh, issues. The Lord's healing you right now. Liquid golden honey is going into your back. Just test it out. You'll see that it's totally healed. The pain's gone. Somebody with flat feet or feet pain. I just felt pain in the feet, actually. And flat feet, uh, arches, plantar fasciitis, whatever it's called. The Lord's healing you right now. I release that healing virtue into your feet. In Jesus' name. What was that, darling? Arches, yeah. The Lord's putting arches into flat feet right now. Just check it. Where there was pain, just jump on those feet. You're going to see Jesus has healed them. All right, if that was you, and I just called that out, I want you just to raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand if that was you. If any of that meant something to you. Great. All right. Good. Good. How many of you right now, you just felt liquid golden honey, and it's just like you, you've tested it, and it's totally healed, and it's better. Put your hand up. Anybody in the room? Put your hands up right now. Is that you, ma'am? Have you got your hand up at the back? You have. Great. Come on out here. Please. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> My wife's like, please. Yes, please come on out, won't you? Okay, the rest of you can sit down. What happened to you? Um, I have like cramps in my knees sometimes and in my arms as well. Like you said, how there was cramps at night yeah. and through the day, that's what I get. Really? Yeah, and I felt that like liquid gold just like run through it and just like poof, like just poof it all right out. Wow. Like, wh- oh, may it never come back to you again in Jesus' name. Thank you. What's your name, sweetheart? Rachel. Rachel. Oh, you're so beautiful, Rachel. You really are. That's amazing. Isn't that good? How many of you, of you are just excited for Rachel? You know, what, what, what excites me is anybody that's had cramps, you know how agonizingly painful that is. My dad gets that. He'll just get cramps in the night and he's just in agony. And, and it, it, is, it is awful. And I'm just so glad for you, Rachel. Wow. A life free from cramps now in Jesus' name. That's good. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Where are, those people, where are those people who put their hand up? Okay, I want you to just stand up, unashamedly in front of everybody. Just stand up if you want to. If you, if you, if you don't want to and you feel that will be too public, that's fine. You don't need to do it. But if you really are okay to do it. Now, here's what I want the rest of you to do. Okay, I want you to stretch your hands out towards them. Okay? I want you to stop looking at me and working out whether or not I'm anointed. The, the point is you're anointed. That's what really counts. And I want you to stretch out your hand towards each of these individuals because every one of them is suffering with what they have. And we don't want them to suffer anymore, do we, folks? We want them to be pain-free, and so does Jesus. And so, oh, we release the anointing into them right now. Say this with me, everybody. Kingdom of God, come now. Okay, now let's just say it again, shall we? But this time I want you to mean it, okay? I want you to absolutely mean it. Ready? Kingdom of God. God. Come now. now. In Jesus' name. In In our friends. friends. And will of our Father. Oh, no, no, no. We need to do better than that. (laughs) How many of you know it's his absolute will to heal them? He didn't give them this condition. Not at all. He's a good father. He'd never do that. He's got a lot better ways of teaching us lessons than resorting to demonic tactics. So say that with me now, and will of my Father be done, in Jesus' name. Fill them up, Daddy. Anybody know why I do that? Does anybody know why I make those noises and stuff? Because if you do, come and let me know. I don't have a clue either. It just seems to come out of me. Jesus said, if I, by the finger of God, drive out demons, then the kingdom has come upon you. Like what, was he just speaking figuratively or did he go like that with his finger? Why didn't he say, I, if I, with the toe of my foot, drive out demons, then the kingdom's come upon you. Or if I, with my eyes or my nose. No, he said, if I, by the finger of God, drive out demons. He stretched something out, his hands, his, you know, some part of his arm came out. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk, whatever it was. And by the way, he was never, ever under pressure to have to come up with something when he stood in front of somebody that needed healing. In fact, he told them to go do something. Go show yourself to the priest. Stretch out your hand. Stand up to a woman who's 18 years bent double. Just stand up. The obligation was upon them to do something, not him, because he knew the power of God that was within him. All right. Check it, you guys. Do something you couldn't do before. Check it. Quickly, just check it. Do something you couldn't do before. Check those feet. We won't ask you who's got flat feet. (laughs) Just check those feet. Check that shoulder. Do something, check that spine, that back. Do something you couldn't do before. Is there any change in you? Yes? Good, that's good. Yes, Sue? Awesome. Anybody else in the room? Good, good. Okay, you know, I'm so glad to hear that. How many of you know that that is impossible for any one of us in this room to help them even just 10% is impossible? So if they've been helped 10 or 15 or 50%, then Jesus has just done a miracle in them. Father, I ask that you'd complete your work with every person in this room this morning. All right, good. Great. I, ha- I just don't like talking about the kingdom without seeing the kingdom come. Do you? There's something unauthentic about that for me if I tell you that the kingdom of heaven is within your reach and then we don't demonstrate the kingdom. So, All right, first of all, I'd like to say a gigantic thank you to Martin and Karen, your awesome, awesome senior pastors. They are amazing. Wow. I love it. They're just taking this church on to the next level, and I think it's very, very wonderful this morning that Pastors Barry and Janet Manuel are here too, and I think that's just amazing, and we just honor you guys as well, and in fact... Uh, it was. Uh, I just told him this morning. I said, "You know what? It's so amazing for me as a as a middle-aged man. I used to say a young man. Now I can't say that anymore because um, I'm 44 years old. But um, the, thank you, a young man. Thank you. Um, yes, a young man. I like that. As a, it's so it's so special for me to see uh, Barry and Janet just going for it, even though." They've retired into, they are now gone into refinement, not retirement. That's what I, I said to him. It's so good to see that. And planting a church at their age and stage and just going for it. I honor you, and I hope I'm just like you when I grow up. I really do mean that. I really do. And you have contended for the kingdom to come for years and decades. And we just honor you in Jesus' name this morning. I remember a little over eight years ago, I got a phone call. From a pastor that I'd never met, from Australia, and he said, "G'day, Duncan, how you going?" or something like that. And I was in Canada, and I was like, "Whoa, hello, yes, yeah." I I got your number from you know anyway. And he was just asking if I knew anybody, loved Toronto, you know. And he just asked if I knew anybody that that uh, you know we could possibly recommend for youth ministry and so on. And uh, and that was the start of a of a really good friendship. And that was eight years ago. Can you believe that? I'm like, what? And so it's a joy to be back here now for the fourth time uh, to this church over those eight years. And it's just so good to see Marty and Karen just going for it, taking the church to the next level, which is exactly what I'm sure Barry and Janet would have wanted for them to get up on their shoulders and just go for it. And, uh, and that's, what, that's what we're doing with our spiritual parents. And uh, it's just a joy That God is the God of multiple generations. And he promises his love to a thousand generations of those who love him. Isn't that good? It's awesome, isn't it? All right. Okay, turn with me, please. My parents said to me, you know, Duncan, you can really preach as long as you get on with it. (laughs) My parents were missionaries in Nigeria for 20 years. Thank you, Gary, for that, and have been involved in missions since. And just like you, Barry, uh, they're a little older than you, uh, but they are just going for it. And my dad's just got back from Africa. Remember when I was here last time, those of you who are on the leader's school? And by the way, speaking of the leader school, I know that Marty just already mentioned it, but folks, listen, if you are in a place where uh, you could easily just take that time off, I mean, some of you in this room it's too late now probably for you to go back to your, your boss at work or even leave your business to say, hey, you know, I want to go and do a week and take a week off five days. But there are many of you. The Lord spoke to me while I was just in the restroom just now. Uh, he just spoke to me and said, I, I just want you to give a bold invitation. There are some people in the room who you could come to this school. No problem at all. You can take that time off without asking anybody's permission except yourselves. Do not hesitate to come on the school. Do not miss the day of visitation. Don't miss the day of God's opportunity for you in your life. And I really felt the Lord saying that there's a number of people in this room that as you, if you are willing to sign up and do the school, you're going to see that God is going to literally thrust you into the most fruitful years of your entire life, which is pretty staggering. I just felt him say the most fruitful years of your entire life. Because of what uh, God will do in your heart, and He'll take off uh, all kinds of—he'll uh, just take off all kinds of things that have prevented you from seeing the most amazing years that God has reserved for you right ahead of you, the best days yet to come. Anyway, let me just get on with preaching now. <laughs> Turn with me to the book of Luke. I was waiting on the Lord for today, and He spoke to me so clearly. From the book of Luke. So turn, to me, turn with me to Luke 5 and verse 33. We're going to start in verse 33. I mean, Luke 5 is just bursting with action. It is bursting with action. And it is a perfect chapter for a church family such as we are right here. And Kate and I really do feel like family here. And I, we absolutely love the local church. If there's one thing that grieves my heart more than anything else, it's when people turn around and say, oh, we're all about the kingdom of God. We're not really interested in the church. Hello. The church is not the kingdom. We know that. But I tell you what, the church, I believe, is God's primary vessel. His, his hope that it will be His best The best way of manifesting the kingdom. And he loves the church. He loves his church. He absolutely loves his body. And I do too. And this is an amazing chapter. You know, starts off with the calling of the first disciples. Then, you know, the man who runs up to Jesus, throws himself at Jesus' feet as he came down from the mountain. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And if that was not a perfect moment for Jesus to be able to say, Father, is it your will? Is it your sovereign will to heal? Sorry, son, I'm ever so sorry. It just happens that today it's not His sovereign will. And if Jesus wanted to show us that God sometimes wants to heal and sometimes He doesn't want to heal, that was probably the most perfect moment for Him to do that. But what does He do? He just says to the man, He stretches out His hand and He says, I am willing, be clean. And He's instantly healed. I love it. And then the whole story of of the man being lowered down, you know, in through the roof by his friends. And Jesus, looking up at his friends, sees their faith and says to the man, your sins are forgiven. Do you know that your faith in Jesus is all it takes for your best friend's sins to be forgiven? How cool is that? You know, all those people at work that frustrate you, Jesus is actually looking for you. Do you have faith that he is able to revolutionize them just as he's revolutionized you. It's so, so easy for us to forget that we were just like the folks that we get frustrated with, and sometimes we are still just like them. <laughs> if you're anything like me. <laughs> so if you don't mind, I'm just going to preach like this for a moment. <laughs> Verse 33. And they said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. You know, people are always wanting to compare you with everyone else. Have you noticed that? Well, if you were really spiritual, why don't you do like so-and-so does? And you know what? Our own hearts do that to us, don't they? Our own hearts speak to us like that, with thoughts like this. Gosh, if only I could be like so-and-so, then I'd really... Really be spiritual, you know? If I could pray like, like you know, such and such an intercessor, then, then I'd really be spiritual. And Jesus says, Can you make the guests of the bridegroom, bridegroom fast while he's with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days, they will fast. i got some good news for you folks. I'm not going to preach on fasting this morning. So you can all Relax. I struggle more than anybody else with fasting. And in the grace of God, I've resigned and resolved in my heart that I do actually fast about three times a day. And the longest I've ever fasted is three days. Sorry if that disappoints you and you wished I'd been one of those that had fasted for 40 days, and I hope you don't write me off. But I've only ever fasted for three days. I, I just get so hungry, that's the problem. And my Kate and I's eldest daughter, uh, she's Jess, Jessie, she's only 17 years old. And, you know, for her year off between school and university, because she was a year too young, a year younger than her friends when she graduated grade 12, we said to well, her, why don't you make the use of that year and go and do something uh, somewhere with Jesus in the world and just have some fun? And uh, she decided, she went away and she prayed about it, and uh, she told us, no, I'm going straight to university. I don't want to waste my time. And, she, and we just said, well, go away and pray about it. She went away and prayed about it, and the Lord spoke to her, and she came back, and she said, mom and dad, um, the Lord spoke it to me, and I, I'm going to go down to the Harvest School in Mozambique. And we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can you do something in America somewhere? I mean, come on, you have to go down to Mozambique? What's wrong with you? you know? But anyway, she was determined, and Sure enough, she went down to Mozambique. As soon as she arrived there, within about three weeks of being there, she, while she was waiting for the school to start in October, she got there in end of July. She went on a fast for 21 days, 21 days as a 17-year-old in Africa in like 100 and over 100 degrees Fahrenheit every day. And I thought, oh my goodness me, that makes me feel even more rotten about my pathetic fasting attempts. verse 36 whoa he told them this parable and now this is where we get into it no one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old one if he does he will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old and nobody ever pours new wine into old wine skins. He's not talking about age here, folks. Make no mistake. This has nothing to do with age. This is to do with the mentality. And no one, everybody say no one, pours wine, new wine, into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. Verse 38. No. New wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new. For he says, the old is better. And as I was waiting on the Lord, this just exploded in my heart. And like all messages that God ever gives us, the first person that the message speaks to is the person who gets the message. And God spoke right into my heart. And he, I just knew in that moment, that's my problem. I think the old wine's better. And there's something prideful about that, isn't there? Well, what I've experienced is better. And I'm gonna hold on to what I've done in the past, and I'm gonna hold on to what God's done in the past because it's better, and because I'm well-versed in it now. I'm experienced in it now. I've learned the language of the culture now. I can, I can look at something happening, and I can say, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, that's good. And in fact, not only that, I can gain significance from the fact that I know what's going on. And I can get comfortable because I can settle in it. I can just, yeah, that's nice. Oh, taste that magnificent old wine. That's so good. I was thinking about this. And I realized that's, that's just so, such a word to us as family in the church. Our biggest problem that keeps us from experiencing what God has for us is that we think that the old is better. Now, folks, it's not, it's not escaped my notice that the obvious conclusion to my message is that the old, being Barry and Janet and Morfitt Vale Baptist Church and everything that this has stood for, is what I'm talking about this morning. I'm not talking about that, okay? Because actually that's not the old. They're not old. They're young still. We're not talking about something that has happen in the past here that's been built or whatever. We're talking about a mentality. That's what Jesus is getting at. He's getting at a mentality that's in each of us that we say, no, 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 I'm going to hold on to my comfort zone that what I experienced in yesteryears is what is. that's what God is doing today. And you know, like I said, the first person that God spoke to was this message, was me, with this message was me. Because here's our problem in our movement which is the Toronto movement. Our problem is, is that we have a tendency to say to folks that we haven't moved on, because what is there to move on to that's better than the Father's love? And that, you know, there's, there's an element of, of really good truth in that, because people come to us all over the world saying, are you guys still in that whole Toronto thing, rolling around on the floor and laughing and crying and shaking and baking and manifesting and whatever else? Are you guys still doing all of that or have you moved on yet? And you know, our, our answer has been, like Melinda Fish, one of the you know, major players in the revival from Texas, she would always say, moved on to what, honey? What's better, what can be better than daddy's love? And you know, she's right. We don't ever want to move on from daddy's love. And we've really grasped hold of what what Melinda has said. I personally have really taken hold of that and took that to heart. And for years, I've I've been living in the good of that, thinking, that's right. I don't want to move on from daddy's love. I want to stay right in the father's love. But then as I was reading that, the Lord showed me. Here's the thing. In the Father's love, God always wants us to move on because he's a person. He's a person to be experienced. He's not an experience to boast about. He's an ex- he is a person to be experienced. And what I know of my God and your God today, what I know of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is so inadequate compared to who he really is. I love Job 36 26 it says behold God is great and we don't know him (laughs) the numbers of his years are unsearchable which really means you don't know what birthday he's having next he's he's not who we think he is folks he's way better he's way kinder he's way stronger he's way more powerful and he's, the good news is this, he's got phenomenal experiences for us all to experience. He's like, Dunk, don't, don't just relax on yesterday's experiences. I'm giving you an invitation for more. And I know that every one of my spiritual parents and colleagues and everyone in Toronto, and I come from the house of, of Toronto. I know that every one of them would agree with me. We want to say yes to God's invitation for more. That's what the whole move's really been all about. And I want to say to you folks this morning, are you prepared to move on and in to the greater things that God has for you? It doesn't mean moving out of this church. That means sticking with the family, but together, rather than looking at everyone around you and wishing that they would move on, realize, wait a minute, I have an invitation myself to move on. So let's let it start with me rather than everybody around me. Because I tell you what, I know that I'm the world's expert on what everybody else needs to get fixed. I'm just, I've just come naturally, comes naturally. I know what their problem is. <laughs> when really I need to be, whoa, okay, God, thank you. Yeah, I need more of you. Okay, so I was thinking about this. Okay. Nobody puts new wine into old wineskins. Okay, Lord, what are you saying? Am I finished then because I'm an old wineskin that, you know, I've, I've sort of been in revival, am in revival, but it's yesterday's wine in that sense, it, you know, poured out since 94 and even before that. And I've realized, as I was meditating on this, God showed me something. It's not about me being one wineskin and that's it now. It's a mentality. It's an attitude of the heart. And as I begin to wait on the Lord, the Lord showed me something. And I just want to just share it with you this morning. The wineskins, we don't think about them very much, okay, because we don't have wine in skins. What do we have wine in? Bottles and cardboard boxes if it's cheap. But we have wine in bottles. But let me tell you something, folks. Back in the day that Jesus said that, they had wine in animal skins. And I realized, bing, the light bulb went on. In order to have a new wine skin, you've got to be prepared to sacrifice one of your lambs. That's why you're always tempted to pour the new wine into the old wine skin. It costs you nothing. Nothing. But if you, but you, they knew you can't do that. You cannot have the new wine without being prepared to enter the realm of sacrifice. You can't have the new wine without allowing something in your life to be willing to die. It's as simple as that, folks. If you want new wine, You've got to have a new wineskin, and if you want a new wineskin, you've got to be prepared to sacrifice one of your lambs or one of your sheep or goats. Something of your livelihood in that pastoral economy, something in your livelihood, something in you, something of economic value to you has to be willing to be sacrificed in order for the new wineskin to be created and has to even go through a process of actually being You know, the innards, I'm sorry about this, but the innards taken out and everything and the skin to be left and then the skin to be dried and go through a horrible process, quite frankly. A lamb slaughtered, the innards gutted out, everything that you stood for removed and then you hung out to dry until you are now suitably Capable of expansion without complaining. And then wine poured into you. And you don't break. You don't break. You don't break in the midst of the new thing God's doing. You don't look at somebody and judge them for what they're doing, which causes you to break and spill the new thing God's doing when he created you to contain what he's doing so that you could give it away and serve the world with it but instead you burst because you're full of judgment, you're full of anger you're full of disappointment, you're operating out of an orphan spirit because it didn't happen with you and why are they getting blessed and not me and why don't I feel God and blah 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 blah. hello, that's a pretty good bunch of reasons right there to give you some clues about what the issue is you know (laughs) It's that inward hard attitude that actually needed cleaning out so that you could be a really good skin. (laughs) Both of us were wrong. The person who says, you're still rolling around doing that whole Toronto thing, that's a wrong attitude. Because the reality is that doesn't, that doesn't tell anyone that you've moved beyond Toronto. Well, I use the word Toronto loosely. I should say the outpouring of the Spirit, the present and past outpouring of the Spirit in our lifetime, in the last two decades, OK? We could say it like this. Somebody who says to you, are you still in that? Have you not yet moved on? That's, that's not the right attitude, because actually what that betrays is the fact that they never even got into it in the first place. Because if they did, they'd be in it with you still. Because it's not something you move on from, you move on with. Every move of God, the the purpose of it in our lives is that we go from glory to glory to glory, that we move on with what God's done, but we move beyond what God did in the past into the new thing, carrying all the goodness of what God did in the past Because what God did in the past was necessary qualification for us to enter into what's available for today and tomorrow. And so when we say, have you moved on from something that God did in the past, we're actually betraying the fact that we had a wrong attitude to what God did in the past, and we never entered it in the first place. But those of us that did enter into it, and we're in it, we don't want to enter into a wrong attitude that says, hey, we don't want to move on from that. Oh, yes, we do. We don't want to go back, but oh, you bet we want to move on. Shikabongo. And I tell you what, it'll be even more crazy than the first time. That's why I know that you can't look and say, have you moved on? Unless you're saying, have you not moved on? And you're saying it out of an experience that's way beyond everything that anybody ever experienced in The first move of God. Do you get what I'm saying? Does everybody understand that logic? Right? You can only say, have you moved on? If what you're experiencing now is way, way more than what we experienced in the past. If we're experiencing less and we point the finger and say, have you not yet moved on? Actually, we're really saying, have you not yet moved back? Back to where we are. So God wants us to move on. God wants us as a family, church family across the world. He wants us... First of all, to make sure we've entered into the first move of God, to make sure that we're in the river, to make sure that we actually do have wine in these old wineskins. But then he's asking, are you willing to pay the price to sacrifice the lambs in your life in order to gain the future wineskins that you need that are necessary, the right heart attitudes, the right mentality, in order that God can pour out what He wants to do, the new thing that He's got. And I tell you what, it's just around the corner. In fact, I think it's actually happening among us. And I tell you what I think it is. I think it is an unprecedented anointing that is so strong that we spend days in heaven That it's got to be to be better than what we've already experienced. We've spent hours in heaven. Now we want to go on to days in heaven. You know, our daughter, she had an out-of-body experience. She went up into the heavenlies. She met Jesus, who led her to the Father, who then took her to the river and they drank together from the river and he showed the the nations and the, the, the poverty and he said, are you willing to go with me to these people? And it wrecked her. It ruined her. She was gone for an hour and a half and she thought it was five minutes. It ruined her forever. She's totally changed. She's a different girl. I mean, me and Kate don't really know how to be her parents anymore. Every time I get around her, I just feel like I need to get saved. <laughs> and so we're going to be going up into the heavens for days, for hours and for days. We're going to be having meetings where the glory cloud comes in, where we were talking about it just this morning, where what happened to a friend of mine that is, is, is the leader of the mess, largest messianic synagogue in the world in Ukraine, They were dancing and worshipping before the Lord with such intensity for weeks and weeks and weeks. And suddenly, in the middle of one of their meetings, the week before we got there, I wish it had happened in my meeting. I was a week late. The glory of God came upon them so strongly that a dense fog entered the room, such that they couldn't see each other, barely see each other. And everybody hit the deck and were gone for hours. The, the communist caretaker who hated them with a passion and tried to do everything to be against them walked in that night at 11 p.m. to yell at them as, you know, for being so late. And he walked in. <laughs> Folks, that happened in the first move of God in my lifetime that I've experienced. The next move is beyond even that. But that would be good to start, wouldn't it? So before we get all haughty and think that we've moved on, let's get that first. And before those of us who think we don't need to move on because what's better than what we've got, we need to ask God to take us into the more. And we have to be willing to sacrifice in order to gain the new wineskins. Okay, because the next thing, this next move is gonna be so unprecedented that the biggest thing of all that's gonna happen is the multitudes of the lost are gonna get saved. And the way they're gonna get saved is by ordinary people, every one of us, doing extraordinary miracles in our daily life. You know, I'm all about you being a person of influence as a doctor, as a lawyer, as a politician, as a housewife, as a, as a garbage removal person, as whatever it is that your life is, a teacher or principal or whatever you do, police officer, fireman, whatever, you take that arena and you own it. But don't do it by just being the best fireman you can be. Do that, but manifest the kingdom. Manifest the kingdom at work. Ask if somebody's got flu if you can pray for them. Be bold. When I was a police officer, eons ago, my wife just said, my first career, I was a police officer for three years in in worksop, Nottinghamshire. And they all thought, help me, you're all right then. And I would say things like, you're under arrest. And they say, You are! And swear at me, say all manner of obscenities at me. When I was a police officer, I would pray and say, God, I ask you to make me the best police officer that I can be. Fair and just and not backing down when necessary. Brave hearted, intuitive. And most of all, would you give me words of knowledge about where people are doing crime? <laughs> so that I can be a true success as a police officer, to keep the streets safe for my family and for society. But you know something the Lord, the Lord showed me way back then, and I as a pastor today teach our people. We were talking about this just yesterday. We don't want our people to be people of influence and that influence just to merely mean that you're the best at what you can do, so that somehow that is a wonderful testimony about Jesus. Because that's a little too convenient, isn't it? That we wouldn't have to actually shed our skin and show, I love Jesus like crazy. And so I, the Holy Spirit taught me way back then to go beyond. And I said, Lord, in my prayers, I'll be like, Lord, I pray that my custody sergeant would come to know you. Lord, I pray that my inspectors would come to know you. Lord, I pray that my colleagues would come to know you. Lord, I pray that the criminals would come to know you. That everybody that I meet today, you would enable me to manifest the kingdom and be a witness of Jesus today, Lord. Today, in my uniform. And you know what? By God's grace, he answered that prayer. Not only was I the top performing police officer I had 24 cases go to court in six months and the nearest second equal in the, in the whole division had 12 and everyone else was less than that. It was so embarrassing that I was so far ahead when the chief inspector published the results on the board. I just wanted to hide my head in, you know, because I was embarrassed that I, did, I was doing so well. I didn't realize. I just thought everybody was doing that much work. I didn't realize it. See, God will take you seriously when you ask him to enable you to be really good at what you do. He'll take you seriously because he loves that. That's what he wants. But beyond that, this is the part that really made me excited. My custody sergeant gave his life to Jesus. And when my pastor, because he goes to our church back in England, my, our old original church. My pastor, long about six months after I'd gone, I was sitting having coffee and he said, Duncan, uh, Sergeant Preston has given his life to Jesus and he's part of our local church body Him and his wife have given their hearts to Jesus. And when I asked them when they got saved, why have you got saved? He said, because 2055 Smith showed me Jesus when I was an atheist by the way he treated the criminals when he brought them in to sign them into the custody jail. Because he treated them with honor and dignity even though they were criminals. And he manifested Jesus to me. And I knew from that moment I could no longer deny that there was no God. I saw him in that young officer. I prayed for the criminals. My detective inspector gave his life to Jesus because he was behind a newspaper in the middle of the cafeteria. When, and he, me and my, tu- my colleague, my partner, and him were the only ones in the cafeteria. And I remember the day because I was terrified of him. Because first of all, he was in plain clothes, which set him right apart. Secondly, he was a detective inspector. So he was pretty much God, to be honest, up there with God, you know. And there I am in uniform with my buddy, and I'm telling my uh, partner, listen, you cannot tell me that you're an atheist any longer. Because it's not right that you, above all people, who know the importance of evidence, that you would never dismiss a case without first considering the evidence, and yet you're dismissing the case for God without ever considering the evidence. He said, what evidence? That's not true. I said, the evidence of the fact that you will not say to Jesus, Jesus, if you're real, show yourself to me. And this man was behind his newspaper, and I didn't even realize he was listening to everything I was saying. And about a year after I left the police force, again, I was back in, in our old town and my pastor said to me, do you remember Detective Sir, Inspector So-and-so? I said, yes. He said, he's just given his life to Jesus, Duncan. and You wouldn't believe it? He is so on fire. I said, really? Why is that then? How did it happen? He said, because there was a day, I don't know if you remember it, he was in the cafeteria, he was behind, hiding behind a newspaper and he heard you say to your colleague, do not discount God until you've considered the evidence. And in that moment, Something went into him and he realized that's me. And a few weeks later, a few months later, he was in his basement, his second marriage failing. He was desperate. He was about to lose his house and lose everything for the second time. And he cried out to God and he said, God, if you're real Jesus, then show me some evidence like PC2055 told me to, told Graham to. I'm asking you. And in that moment, the presence of God came on him so powerfully, God knocked him off of his cycle machine, flat on the ground, and he spent the next two hours, a deep, deeply sinful man that had never in his life been in church, and because England is full of those kinds of people, right? Australia has a few too, right? No interest in God whatsoever, spent his whole life denying the presence of God, drinking himself silly every weekend, on the floor, meeting the living God for two hours, repenting for the first time ever, seeing the issues of his heart, that it wasn't his wife's fault, it was his business. It was his fault. And the Lord showed him his sin and right there on the floor, he repented and gave his life to Jesus and wept himself into the kingdom, wept his way into the kingdom. And he's so on fire that he brought a criminal that they had caught from the IRA in Ireland that was back in the day, in the 90s. They caught this man, and while he was in jail, Detective Inspector So and So took him out of the jail, unknown to everybody. Brought him to my pastor because the Lord told him to. And he said, um, "Derek, you've got a word for this man. God told me you have. Tell him what his word. Tell him what the word is." My pastor's like, "I do, really? <laughs> <laughs> he could hear God better than my pastor." And you know what he's doing today? He was so successful as a, police, as a detective inspector overseeing the drug squad. He was so successful with bringing these young drug addicts to Jesus and that getting them saved that they would then get saved, but then they'd get handed over to the churches, but the churches didn't know what to do with them. So Her Majesty's police force in Nottinghamshire, recognizing the problem that the churches didn't know what to do with these newly converted drug addicts, created a brand new position for Detective Inspector So-and-So so so that he could head up a government-paid-for Christian introduction to the church. Home for drug addicts. Folks, are you willing to sacrifice whatever it is that God's asking you to sacrifice? Your reputation, your comfort zone, your time, your knowledge of of what you think God's like, your knowledge of what you think the church should be like. Are you willing to lay all of those lambs down so that God can create out of those lambs a brand new wineskin for the new wine that He's about to pour out in your midst because I'm telling you by this time next year you will not be able to get in this room without fighting your way in through the crowds if as a church you do what I'm encouraging you to do. Why don't you stand up? Folks, if this word could I have um, edel this, Edel heart, Edel, Adelaide. How can I, Adelaide, I mean, how? Adelaide. Adelaide, is that it? Adelaide, Adelaide. Wow, Jeez, you're so beautiful, Adelaide. Wow. The beauty of Jesus is just all over you, girl. Do you just come and play while I, I want you to take your eyes off everybody else. Take your eyes off me, take your eyes off. Yourself, your own circumstances, and put your eyes on the Lord Jesus for a moment. Because let me tell you something there's something about sacrifice, okay? Listen really carefully. There's something about sacrifice, a moment in which we're considering sacrifice. There's something about that moment that if we're not careful, we back off because we're not prepared to pay the price and we miss the day of opportunity. When the reality is this, that what we consider sacrifice today, after we've made it, we look back in the goodness of what God's got for us in the next day, tomorrow, and we look back at it and we realize that wasn't sacrifice at all. (laughs) It doesn't even come close to the amazing thing God has done in our lives. We think it cost us everything when we're on the one side looking at it, but on the other side when we're in blessing, we realize it cost us nothing. So I want you right now, whatever your experience has been thus far of the move of God or the moves of God that have been in your lifetime, as you look back over the men and women that God has used, over the extraordinary miracles that God's done, over the amazing experiences that you've had in the past, I want to give you a bold invitation today to realize that was just the beginning. God has so much more for all of us and the best is saved till now. The biggest thing is that the rules, the regulation and the law is not what God created us to live under. He created us to live in the new wine of the Spirit. And I love it because, you know, the angel appeared to John the Baptist and he told him, He is not, not John the Baptist, Zachariah, John the Baptist's father. And he said, your wife is going to bear a son. His name's to be John. He'll go ahead of the Lord and so on. And he said, no fruit of the vine, no wine shall ever touch his lips. And Jesus said he was the greatest prophet under the law that had ever lived. And yet the Lord showed me this just last week, the very first miracle that Jesus did. Was to turn water into wine. And he drank. No doubt had some of it. Although we don't know. But one thing we know. Under the old covenant. You're not allowed to do this and that. Under the new covenant. God takes. That don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do the other. And he says come follow me now. I give you a bold invitation this morning. To lay down your life. Sacrifice it. Let the inside come out. Let God scoop the innards out of your life. Let the deep secrets of your life, let the real issues of your life come spilling out. If you need to come on that leader school to get that done, then do it. Don't hesitate to do it. Do not miss it. But this morning, if you want to do it, if you want to, join me. Because I'm responding to this word just as much as you. If you want to join me by responding to God's invitation for the new thing that He wants to do, And the first thing to sacrifice the comfortable and the familiar and the tried and tested ways. And I just want you just to step out of your seat right now. Come up out here to the front because God wants to meet with you in a dramatic way this morning. And God is going to turn your life inside out, upside down. He's going to just do the most extraordinary work in your life. Some of you are going to pay a price. I, I'm sorry, I can't guarantee it's not going to cost you something. It will cost you. It will cost you your lambs. It will cost you your goats. It will cost you your economics. It will cost you something because you can't have a wine skin without a sacrificed lamb. The best news of all, of course, is that God allowed His Passover sacrifice lamb and that's the whole purpose of the entire thing in the very first place is the only reason we can even enjoy the new wine is because God was willing to sacrifice himself to be the new wine skin for the new wine that God was going to pour out in the new covenant in which now it wouldn't be about rules and regulations but it would be about life in the spirit where the spirit himself would be poured out. Take hold of Jesus this morning. And I want you just to begin right now telling him, Lord, I lay down my life to you. Tell him in your own words. In your own heart, just begin to tell him, Lord, I am absolutely prepared to let go of my tried and tested ways. I'm prepared to let go of my expertise. I'm prepared to let go of my past experiences. I'm prepared to let go of the excuse that they give me from really stepping into the new things. Lord, where I've backed off because I've just been smug and content in my heart that I'm already in. God, with all my heart, I repent of it this morning. I turn to you, Lord. I let go. I let go of the old. I let it go, God. And I give you my life afresh today. Let me be. A living lamb slaughtered before your throne today. Let me be a living lamb that joins Jesus. The invitation to take up his cross and follow him. Lord, I give you my life. Not as a means of my salvation. Jesus, you've done that for me. But as a means of my response of yes! In my heart to your invitation of love, God. I willingly lay down my life as a living sacrifice of worship upon your altar, Lord. And I, I don't want to ever jump up off that altar as the knife comes towards me. Lord, plunge that knife deep into me. Lord, I willingly take it. I willingly allow you to literally put to death all my selfish ambition, all my selfish desires, all my self-orientation, all of my self-expertise, Lord, right now where I've thought I know how to be church and where I've thought I know what church should be like, I know what the kingdom looks like, Lord, I put it all to death. Those of you that have responded to what God's doing on the earth where He's encouraging His people to be a people of influence in their sphere of influence. Some people call it the mountains. Those of you that are Willing to be a person of influence in the mountains of influence that God's given you. If that's you, today, right now, I want to encourage you to sacrifice, to lay down your life, to lay down your agenda, to lay down your reputation, to be willing to be identified with Christ, not to just be the best that you can be as a lawyer or dentist or whatever it is, but to actually embrace the stigma of Christ, to embrace the loss of reputation among your friends and your colleagues, to embrace the ridicule of being known as a person of revival and of the Spirit and of Christ, to lay down your life for the lost, for Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now with all my heart, with all my heart, God, that you would break our hearts. And bring us into the new. We say yes to your invitation. Into greater realms of glory. Into new manifestations. Into fresh revelation, Lord. We say yes to your outstretched arm of invitation into a greater dimension of your love. Into a greater love affair with the King of Kings. Holy Spirit we let go of what we've experienced in the past and Lord the safety that that gives us we let it go Lord we're willing to be daring to be bold to step into the unknown Lord oh Lord lift our eyes lift our eyes off of ourselves and off of each other and lift our eyes onto you and onto the harvest fields that are white around us Lord, that we would see that the lost are truly lost. That they really lost, God. That our family members, God, they're just literally going to perish without you, Jesus, unless they're willing to lay down their lives. Lord, would you break our hearts with that. Break our hearts for our colleagues, Lord. Break our hearts for this nation, God. I'm asking you, Lord, for a spirit of repentance to come upon us. I'm asking you, my Father, for... a a willing spirit to sustain us, to come upon us, God. I'm asking you for the anointing to love you passionately, Lord, to come upon us, Lord. And to love the lost, God. To truly love the lost, Father. To love those who persecute us, who wrongfully treat us, Lord. Who speak evil against us. Who ridicule us. Who withhold from us. God, would you give us a heart of love towards them, God. Lord, that we would, would manifest your kingdom. That people would look at our actions as we step into the new. And we'll say, okay, I can no longer deny the presence of the living God. You have the Holy Spirit without measure on the inside of you. That's your inheritance in Christ. You don't have to ask for more in you. You already have an everlasting spring coming up out of you. But what you can ask for more of is the Holy Spirit upon you, the anointing upon you. To be an effective witness, to be a radical shining light to be somebody that God uses in the most remarkable signs, wonders, and miracles in this new move of God that's going to spill out all over the streets and in the homes and all over the cafes and in the shopping malls and the cinemas and everything else. And in these last moments, ask God as you lay down your lives so that you can become a new wineskin, ask Him right now for a greater measure of anointing upon you to come right now upon you. Ask Him for it. If you're a lawyer, ask Him for the anointing to do miracles in the law courts and in the office. If you're a dentist, ask God for the anointing to do miracles, to have brave hearts to do miracles with your patients. If you're whatever your sphere of influence is, ask God right now, For more anointing that God would anoint you to manifest his kingdom wherever you are.
0: Lord, we thank you for your word to us, your spirit just moving on us, in us, and Lord, we ask that you would continue to just hover and bless your time right now, and Lord, that you would go deep within, you would go deeper and deeper within. Lord, whatever you want to do, we give you free reign right now, Lord Jesus. We just want to st- keep in this exact atmosphere of peace and just God just moving. And um, if, if you need to go, or then please do so. We bless you. Just stay in even this atmosphere this week. And again, if you want to sign up for the Leader School, please do at the bookshop afterwards. We'd love to have you. It's going to be an amazing, amazing week. And uh, come next Friday night. Bring... Bring some friends, bring some people, ring them, tell them to come. It's going to be an amazing night next Friday night uh, in God's presence. And so, Lord, we just bless you. We thank you for moving on us this morning. And we ask that this week you would impress upon us a deeper sense of what you've spoken to us this morning. Go deep, Lord. We give you permission to go deep in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.